joining online right now on YouTube, um, we got notification that, face, that Facebook has a problem. We don't have a problem right now, but Facebook does. And so um, if you're watching on YouTube, if you could share that link on your Facebook wall, and we normally have many people join us on Facebook all over the country. Facebook streaming is not working, uh, but YouTube is if you want to share that link. And if you're watching right now, we want to welcome you. Um, I know for a fact we have people right now uh, gathered in Oklahoma, in Arizona, in Montana, uh, all around our state and around our region, and we want to welcome you to church. Uh, we are seeing how we can minister to you wherever you are. Um, with that being said, if you're a little uncomfortable with joining together in people's houses for small groups, I know small groups are starting soon. We do have an online group Tuesdays at 6.30, and it's led by a member of our church from Arizona. And so if you watch from out of state and want to be a part of one of our small groups, We've got you covered, 6.30 Tuesday. Sign up on our app or our website. Or if you're not comfortable with being in homes yet, same deal. There's an online-only small group that you can take part in. And so I just want you to know there's a lot of opportunity to be engaged, to be connected, uh, to continue to do church, even though things are a little bit weird right now. And so let's go to God in prayer, and let's just ask God to bring us a spirit of peace, to bring us a spirit of rest, maybe like we haven't felt or known in a long time. So God, we thank you. God, you reminded me this morning of of the passage of Scripture where you're creating the heavens and the earth. And your word says that the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. And Lord, in study of ancient culture, water was always about chaos and disorder but but you bring order. In fact, Jesus, your word tells us in the New Testament that you are a God of order. You're a God of peace. Jesus, your word declares of you that you are actually the Prince of Peace and that your spirit gives peace that passes all understanding. So we ask for that now. We ask for peace, God, in this church body. God, I know so many of our homes are divided right now over so many things. We ask for peace in our homes We ask for peace in churches across this city that are divided over things that we're all divided over. God, we ask right now for for peace in our nation. We, at least in in our lifetime, most of us have never seen such a contentious time as this. And God, I pray that your followers would keep our eyes fixed on you, your word, your spirit, and your spirit leading us, God, in community. Lord, I pray that we can set aside that which is not eternal today. Uh, Lay it down at your feet, the one who is eternal. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So thank you, band, so much. It's so great to have worship inside and to celebrate this way. We're going to sing another song um, as I wrap up our message today so we can continue in worship. But um, a couple things we'd like to do when we're inside, and many of you have never been inside here before. A few things we'd like to do is we'd like to ask everybody, if you could, to take out your phone. And if you could just make sure your phone's on silent, please. Um, encourage some of you actually to put your phone on do not disturb. If you're over the age of 45, lean, lean over to someone younger than you and they can show you how to silence your phone. Um, and just, just when, they, when they hand their phone over to you nicely, say, okay, boomer, I'll help. Um, because it's always, it's always older people. It just, your phone vibrates. It, it's, an amazing, it's an amazing function. Um, and so if you could silence your phone, put on do not disturb. I really want to make sure we don't have distractions this morning because I actually believe God wants to do something in your heart today. I actually believe God wants to do something in our midst. And so you could do that. Um, we do have an app. It's FC Online. And so if you do um, have that app, there's a lot of scriptures we're going over today that will be there. Um, and so if, if you want to look at your phone, if you could just commit to just looking at the Bible or your app, all your texts can wait. Um, all your news can wait, your Twitter feed can wait, everything can wait for the next uh, 45 minutes or so so we can focus in on God's word. If you, if you can give God that, just give him that this morning and try not to talk to people around you because again, I believe God wants to do something in our midst. So let's, let's limit uh, moving around for a moment if we can and just focus in on God's word. So as we begin, I want you, um, if you can, to think for a moment about something in your life that, that may be dead right now. And I'm not talking about a person. We've all, all, most of us, certainly have lost loved ones. So I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about anything in your life that may be dead at this moment. What, what's something in your life that maybe you've given up on, you've given up hope in, something that, that is kind of buried, that you think maybe that ship has sailed, 
something you feel you may have lost, but something in your life that is dead, if you could be thinking about that, and here's the fascinating thing about the human psyche, if you will. Um, Our brains are going all the time. When we're sleeping, uh, when we're quote-unquote unconscious, there's always stuff happening in our brain. And in fact, it's only about 5% of what happens in our brain that we're even remotely aware of, where 95% of the things going on right now inside of here are completely unconscious to me and to you. And so when I said, if you can think of something in your life that is dead, I believe that somewhere, whether it's in your unconscious or your conscious mind, immediately something came to mind that's dead in your life right now. And I don't want you to try and argue with that thought that came up in your head. Because the thought for some of you may have been, well, my marriage is dead. My, my, my relationship with my kids is dead. My passion is dead. My, my vision for my career is dead. My hope to get into this program at this school is dead. And, and some of you, when I said, think of something in your life that is dead, immediately you thought of something and do not resist that. I actually want you to hold on to it for the rest of the service because I believe what comes to your mind the fastest is what's right there trying to get out. So what was it that came to mind? And don't say it out louder to the person next to you. This is between you and the Lord. What was it that came to mind? And don't try to make an excuse for how that's not true. Well, no, just, just let it go for a second. I believe there is something that is dead in some of our lives that God wants to resurrect today. And so we're going to continue this, this series that we're in called Passion. And it's really all about revival. It's about reviving passion. And we were supposed to kind of spent a couple of weeks in a, a vision weekends, two weeks. We were supposed to look at purposes in our lives. We're then going to shift into something called DNA uh, that we have as a church. But God has just spoken to me and said, hey, just kind of sit here for a while in this idea of, of revival. Sit for a while in this season of passion and in revival and, and see where this, where this leads us. See where I take you. God is, is speaking to us today. So there's three words that I introduced to you over the last um, couple of weeks, and those words were reset, revival, and this weird phrase, born-again baby boom. I I believe that right now we are all in a season, and that's stating it nicely, what we're in right now. Like, what is the world like in 2020? Like, it's a season. There's a lot of other S words we could try to (laughs) proclaim that this year has been like, but this has been a rough season, right? This is a tough year. And I believe that this season's not over, actually. And I believe that right now, as we go through this season, that God is resetting us. He's resetting us as followers of Jesus back to where we're supposed to be. Maybe we got out of line. Maybe we got off of track, and God's bringing us back in line. He's bringing us back in in check, in track. Um, and, And that might look like discipline. That might look like chastisement. It might look like some pain. But I believe that God is really refining his true church right now. And he's trying to reset us as Christians. And in and through and after that period of reset, I believe that God wants to bring about revival in his church. And revival is not new people coming to Jesus. Revival is what the word says. Revival. Reawakening. Re living, rebirth, a coming alive again of what once used to be alive, but is coming alive again. And so we've talked about the last, I think, three weeks that that really boils down to passion. Many of us had this great passion about Jesus, and that passion started to die, and God wants to revive our passion again. And we cannot desire for a broad revival in the world or even our country unless we're willing to allow revival to happen right here. And that's the tagline for this series is revival starts here. But the problem is, is that many of us, when we think that we say revival starts here and we'll point to someone who we think God needs to revive and God's like, whoa, step back. Revival needs to start with you. If you want to really come alive again, if you want to really have passion again, You can't try to project that onto someone else. You need to allow yourself to be revived. And so quit looking at the splinter in someone's eye when you've got a giant plank in your eye that says you need passion again. So we need to be revived. Revival starts here on the altar of our heart, and we use this this idea for passion of fire. Whenever you think of passion, at least I do, I think of fire. I, I think of flames. I think of something burning hot. And so this idea of revival is that God would reignite a flame that once burned brightly on the altar of your heart. 
Now, I believe if you had an authentic encounter with Jesus, I believe if you had an authentic conversion with Jesus Christ, I believe that fire never really goes out, but I believe it flickers and it gets really small and that God wants us like the prodigal son who walks away from the father from time to time to come back home, come be reset into alignment with the will of the father and have revival be ignited again inside of our hearts. And so reset, revival, and it's our prayer that that revival would lead to this idea of a born-again baby boom. Many people coming to know Jesus, not being revived, but being resurrected for the first time. Scripture tells us that when we are in Christ, we are a new creation. Scripture tells us that we have been born again. Scripture tells us the old is gone, the new has come. Scripture says that we have been crucified with Christ. We no longer live. It's Jesus who lives in us. And so people who do not know Jesus for all intents and purposes are dead in the trespasses of their sins. But God, who is rich in mercy because of the great love in which he has for us, God makes us alive together with Christ. It is by grace we have been saved, not works, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, but by grace you have been saved through faith in the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so some of you don't need to experience revival. Some of you need to experience passing from death to life. And when you pass, and when you experience passing from death to life, when that passion begins to wane someday, when that passion begins to fizzle someday, you will need to have that revived once again. And so we talked last week about Revelation chapter 2. Jesus has the Apostle John write to the church in Ephesus. And Jesus tells the church in Ephesus, you guys are doing a lot of good stuff. You guys are doing a lot of good things. I'm happy about the good things you're doing. He says, but I've got this one thing against you. He says, you have forgotten what? What did, what did they forget? You forgot your first love. You forgot what it was like to be in love with me. You're doing things for me, but you forgot your first love in me, with me, about me. And so Jesus, again, one of the only three times in Scripture where he gives extremely practical advice on how to solve a problem. Jesus says, this is what I want you to do. He says, remember from where you have fallen. Remember what it used to be like. Remember what it was like when we used to be tight. Remember what it was like when we used to be close. So remember from where you've fallen. And he says, repent. Uh, some of you may come from a, a Catholic tradition that tells you you need to go uh, to repentance and to repent to a religious figure and while I'm not here to judge Catholicism, that's not what repentance truly is. Repentance is to acknowledge that something used to be how it should have been and that you need to now turn from that and go in the other direction. And so repentance does not happen with man. Repentance happens with God. Now, Scripture also tells us that we are actually to repent to one another. And that doesn't mean that we need to confess our sins to one another so that we could be forgiven. But Scripture actually says, confess your sins to one another so that you can be healed. That there is a, a cleansing that happens. There's a healing that happens when you walk in the light, in vulnerability, and authenticity, and truth before other people. And so that's very good. And so Jesus says, remember what things should have been like. And he says, then, I want you to repent. And then he says this, this radical advice. He says, do the things you did at first. Do the things that you used to do. So whatever you did when you were in love with me, remember those things, repent that you're not there, and start doing them again. And there's something magical that happens when you start doing the things you used to do, you actually start feeling the way you used to feel. You ever discover that before? You start doing the things you used to do, you start to feel the way you used to feel. And some of you maybe have come face-to-face -face with your emotions this year, and you've discovered that, like, wow, someone said something to me, and it wasn't that big of a deal. But when they said it to me, I remembered the pain of when my mother did. I remember the pain of when this man did this to me. All feelings come alive again. And so there are negative feelings that can come alive, but there's actually positive Love feelings that can come alive when we begin to do what we're supposed to do. And so if your marriage is suffering right now, remember what it used to be like when you held hands all the time. 
kissed all the time, made love all the time, went on dates all the time. Remember what that was like and repent. Say it's not where it should be and then start doing the things you used to do again and watch that love come alive all over again. So remember, repent, and do. But here's our point for today. Simply remembering, simply repenting, and simply doing isn't all we need. We can't just go through the motions and expect things to start coming alive and reviving again. And so it's actually in Zechariah in the Old Testament where God says, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so all of the might in the world that you put forth, it's good, trust me, there's good in remembering, repenting, and doing. But it's not just by that that you're going to experience revival. Because it's not by might. That's not how things work out. It's not by power. It's not by the power I exert. I understand that, that even if I do all the greatest things in the world, and if I am the best person in my community, I am still desperately dead outside of the resurrecting grace and power that comes through salvation in Jesus Christ. All of my good works, all the good things you and I do, Scripture says, that's like filthy rags before God. Only Jesus Christ can live a life we cannot live. Only Jesus Christ died a death in our place that we deserve to die, and only Jesus rose again offering us new life. And so one thing I'm very concerned about the world right now, regardless of your opinion on any political or social movement, there is something happening in the world right now that is telling people they need to atone for their own sins. They, they need to basically fix their own problem and that if someone has ever done something that you don't agree with, you actually need to cut them out of your life forever. And we, we call that cancel culture. But that's not the ways of Christ at all. It's actually not biblical whatsoever. Because we can't atone for our sins. Only Jesus can. And he did. We can't fix ourselves. I've tried. It doesn't work. Only Jesus can do that. And we don't just simply cancel someone because we don't agree with them or they've done something in the past that was wrong. Instead, the Bible talks about forgiveness. The Bible talks about reconciliation. The Bible talks about restoration. And so thanks be to God that God loves you and I enough that he actually forgave us of our wretchedness. And he restored us to relationship with God and he reconciled us to him and his kingdom. And so we can't do these things on our own, which brings us to our verse today, which is, uh, Ezekiel 36 and 37. If you have a Bible, if you could turn to Ezekiel 36 or 37, if you have uh, our app, those verses should be there under the notes. But Ezekiel 36 and 37, I want to give you a brief uh, Bible history lesson so we're on the same page. You still with me? You a brief Bible history lesson so we are on the same page together. So Ezekiel, written around 550 B.C., so around six to 500 years before Jesus, what's happening at this point during world history is that there was a nation, a people set apart for God known as Israel. Um, Israel split into two nations, uh, Israel to the north and a nation to the south called Judah. Now, both nations were apostate before God. Both nations sinned greatly against God, specifically through idolatry, putting other things ahead of the one true God. And so as a result, in order to discipline them, God sends the Assyrian Empire to come and to wipe out the northern kingdom of Israel and exiles them throughout the known world. And that's why, if you've ever heard of this idea, the, the lost tribes of Israel— because we don't exactly know what happened to those 10 tribes that were exiled from the Assyrians. So the, the two and a half tribes that remained in the south, the kingdom of Judah, they, they got a little bit more time to mess things up. And they did just that. They messed things up, just like the northern kingdom of Israel had done. And so by this time in human history, by the year 600 AD, or 600 BC, um, God uses the Babylonian Empire. You've probably heard of Babylon before. Uh, God uses the Babylonian Empire to judge Judah. Now, the reason it was Babylon and not Assyria is because Babylon took over Assyria. And if you look at the grand history and scale of things, God actually punishes Assyria 
for punishing Israel with Babylon. God is very peculiar in his sovereignty. So Babylon overtakes Assyria, and then Babylon, to judge Judah, overtakes Judah, and they take a large group of people away from Judah, in particular the city of Jerusalem, the best and brightest, and they bring them back to Babylon to be essentially slaves. And this period of history uh, continues to go on for a period of about 19 years, from the first exile until the time that Jerusalem as a city is completely decimated at the hands of the Babylonian Empire. And so it's, it's kind of this long, drawn-out war with several waves of exiles being taken over into Babylon. They, they leave just a skeleton crew behind in Judah to make sure the land doesn't go into complete disarray, which, which it does anyways. And um, here we're introduced to Ezekiel. And so Ezekiel begins his prophetic career at 30 years old. How many of you are 30 years old? Anybody 30 years old? Not me. Yeah, so 30 years old. Like, he begins this career at 30 years old, and his prophetic career lasts for 20 years from the age of 30 to the age of 50. How many of you are 50 years old? Thank God I'm not 50 yet. Um, so some of you 50 is young. You're still like whippersnapper status. And, um, but you, you old folks will understand that term. And so uh, 30, 50, 20, 20 years he's got of his prophetic career. And he starts at five years after the first deportation of exile into Babylon. And for the first several years, he's writing about continued judgment on the people of Judah. He's like, hey, guys, it's actually going to get worse. Things are going to get worse. The whole city is going to get destroyed. Be prepared for the worst. And that's not really the news they wanted to hear. But then um, in 586 B.C., Jerusalem falls. The Babylonians come and they decimate the city. And so when that happens, the prophecy in the book of Ezekiel shifts, actually. It shifts from things are going to get worse to all of a sudden things are going to get better. And Ezekiel begins to tell Judah how things will get better. And at this point, when we read the Bible, we have to read it for who it is written to. Specifically, it's written to Judah. Things are going to get better But you'll start to notice it's actually talking about all of us. Things are going to get better, and here's how these things are going to get better. And so if you want to turn with me to the book of Ezekiel chapter 36, and we can put that that verse up on the screen, Ezekiel 36. Um, I'll go ahead and read it on the screen with you guys. I'll read. You be quiet. Read it in your head. Um, We're not calling kids up anymore because we're inside. So Ezekiel 36 verse 25. God says things are going to get better. Here's how. I will sprinkle clean water on you. Say amen if you took a shower this morning. I thought it smelled in here. It wasn't just, okay. uh, I will sprinkle clean water on you. Say amen if you took a shower this morning. All right. And all the quiet people, we smell you. Okay. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean of all your uncleanness. God says, I'm going to wash away your sins. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you, because that's what got them into trouble in the first place. I'm going to erase, I'm going to wash, I'm going to cleanse this whole idol business. And I will give you a new heart. It's the first time this idea appears in Scripture, by the way. He, He will give to them, and he's actually speaking to us too, he'll give us a new heart. He'll give you a new spirit I'll put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And so what Scripture is telling us all throughout Scripture is that our sinful hearts are evil continuously. They're desperately sick. Where does sin come from? It comes from the human heart that desires to rebel against God. And Scripture says that's like a heart of stone. And here God says the solution is not to do better. The solution is not just to remember, repent, and do, or atone for your own sins. The only thing that's going to help you is if I take out this stone-cold, rock-solid, burdened, bitter heart out of your spirit and give you a new, soft heart of flesh that is open to what I want to do within it. He says, I will then put my spirit within you, and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey all my rules. What, What God is saying is, You can't do that on your own. 
the only way you're going to ever achieve or obtain or follow any of my rules or statutes is if my spirit does it within you. And that's why Zechariah says, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And this prophecy would not come true until 500 years later. So Judah would eventually go back to their homeland. Eventually, the temple would get restored. Centuries later, the temple would get completely rebuilt. And in that city, with a rebuilt temple at the hands of the Roman Empire, Jesus Christ would be crucified in order to sprinkle our hearts clean, not with water, but with his blood. So we got to look back and say, Ezekiel's talking about something far in the future, 500 years from that moment. But then if you go to Ezekiel 37, there's this very strange verse, and in fact, it's probably the verse, if you know anything about Ezekiel at all, and I don't expect you to, but if you know anything about Ezekiel, it's the verse we usually think of in Ezekiel. God at this point doesn't just speak to Ezekiel, but God gives Ezekiel this this really radical vision. And the vision that God gives to Ezekiel is actually how this is going to play out. He's like, hey, remember when I said I'd give you a new heart? Remember when I said I'd put my spirit within you? Remember when I wanted to call you away from idolatry and back towards me? I want to show you how that's going to happen. It's going to happen by my might, by my power, by my spirit. It's going to happen as I pour out my spirit on all flesh. It's going to happen as I soften your heart and remove your hard heart. It's going to happen through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And here's this vision, this weird vision he gets. And this is where we end today. And this is where I think God wants to do a work in some of your hearts today as he begins to bring revival to you. So turn with me to Ezekiel 37. We call this passage the Valley of Dry Bones. The Valley of Dry Bones. If you've ever been in the desert before, there's actually a lot of bones in the desert. They they don't um, decay like they do here in in a more humid climate like we live in. There's a lot of bones in the desert. And there's a lot of deserts in the land of Judah. And between Judah and Babylon is just one vast desert and a sea. And so this would have been language these people would have been very familiar with. um, But because there were battles happening more often than we have battles happen today, not only would you walk around and maybe you would see cattle bones or horse bones. That's what we see if you go out in the desert. You might find a um, a deer bone or an elk bone. My son and I were on a hike in some caves a couple weeks ago. We think we might have found a human bone. I'm not sure. We should report that. Um, Bones. So Ezekiel 37, verse 1. Ezekiel says, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out into the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and the valley was full of, what word? Bones. The valley, there's a stair there. The valley was full of bones. And the Spirit of God led me around among the bones. And behold, there were very many bones on the surface of the valley. And behold, the bones were very dry. If you we're just talking about bones, but then he, he gives an adjective to describe the bones, and that's dry. When, when you think of a bone versus a dry bone, what's the difference? Anybody know? You can talk out loud. What's the difference between a dry bone and a not dry bone? Anybody know? Grow less life? Yeah, it's like not only is it dead, it's real dead. Not only, like, there, there's no more tissue, there's no more ligaments, there's no more maggots on it anymore. Just dry. There's nothing left. It's just bone. It kind of is crumbly. He said there was many dry bones. And, and so here, here's our implication for today, our application. I know within my heart, and I know within many of yours, you have dead things in your life. When I asked you when we began, what's something dead in your life? Don't say it out loud. But when I asked you when we began, what's something dead in your life? What was the first word that came to your mind? What was the first thing that came to mind? You see, there are dead things in your life. Dead joy. Dead passion. 
dead relationships, dead faith, dead hope. A lot of dead hope right now, right? Lots of that. Maybe dead trust. I don't trust anybody anymore. Dead trust. A lot of dead things in your life. Verse 3. The Spirit of God said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Now, if the Spirit of God showed you dry bones on the valley of the desert floor and said, hey, can these bones live? Our answer would probably be like, they're dead. No. But Ezekiel answers God and says, oh, Lord, you know. And so I want you, if you can, to envision those dead things in your life. Close your eyes if you have to, but envision the dead things in your life and imagine the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart right now and saying, can these dead things live in your life again? Your hope's dead. You think that can ever live? Your trust, your joy, your relationship, your marriage is dead. Do you think it could ever live? And a lot of us would have to step back like Ezekiel and say, God, only you know that because I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I, I can't deal with her anymore. I can't deal with him. I can't be let down again. God, only you know. Then he said to me, verse 4, prophesy over the bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. This is what I want you to say. Now, stop for a minute. God does not have to use Ezekiel to speak words to the bones because God can speak all words of life to all dead things and bring them back alive. But the Bible says it's by grace you have been saved through faith. God says you, you got to have some faith that this can happen. I'll do it, but you've got to trust me. And so he says, this is what I want you to say. Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you. And you shall live. And I will lay ligaments on you. And I will cause flesh to come upon you. And I will cover you with skin. And I will put breath in you. And you shall, what's the word? You shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Some of you, it's going to take new life in your bones to really believe and trust and follow that the Lord, he is God. That Jesus is our Savior and has the ability to save. And so God says, these bones can live, Ezekiel. I can do it. I can put you back together again. I can give you life. I can give you hope. I can give you purpose again, Judah, Israel, Ezekiel, church, fellowship church. So I prophesied as I was commanded. I don't know, I'm just I'm speaking the words God gave me. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling. Imagine that rattling, terrifying bone noise. There was a rattling of bones, and the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and behold, there was tendons growing on them. This is gross at this point. Ew, God. And flesh came above them. And skin covered them. I mean, we're, this is real stuff. We, we don't read the Bible and make it boring. Like, imagine this. Imagine these bones creaking and crackling and coming together and tendons and muscle and blood. Imagine. And it says this, but there was no breath in them. Church, this is the reset we're talking about. This is the reset. Reset is painful. Reset is sometimes a little bit gross. It is painful and difficult to go through a reset in your life. I, I've never seen someone reset and be like, that felt great. Reset is just not enjoyable. It rattles. It's, 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 sometimes it's gory, and it, sometimes it's uncomfortable. It's unpleasant. But you don't need to just be reset because here Ezekiel says they were all reset, but I didn't see this one thing in them. And what was the one thing? There was no breath. The breath is life. The word in Hebrew for breath, it's almost identical to the word of the spirit. There is no spirit inside these bones that now are just simply bodies laying around. 
You see, God wants to reset you, but your resetting means absolutely nothing unless you're revived at the same time. It takes revival to come alive. It takes some resetting to get back in alignment. But some of you need to have dreams again. Some of you need to have passion and hope again for the future. And so verse 9, God said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath. Do me a favor, would you? Why don't you close your eyes so there's no distraction? I'll ask Casey to come get ready to lead us in a song. Close your eyes so there's no distraction. And, and this is not Anthony Trask, the pastor of Fellowship Church, giving some words. I'm going to read the Bible, God's word, okay? And as you close your eyes, I want you to envision and imagine that dead thing in your life. Hope, dreams, vision, passion, faith, trust, the ability to feel. Some of you are numb today. I lost the ability to feel. I'm numb. I don't feel good or bad or anything. God wants to spark that back up again. I've lost trust in church. I've lost trust in pastors. I've lost trust in my mom. I've lost trust in my dad's side of the family. I've lost trust in my friendships. Do people really care about me? Or am I just convenient? I've lost all these things. So remember, imagine, visualize the dead thing. And this is what God says. And trust me, I know. In context, he's speaking it to Judah But this is actually also a strange vision of the end of time where Jesus returns and resurrects the dead. The Bible talks of a great resurrection. This is one of the only few places in the Old Testament where we get a little bit clearer understanding of what that will be like. So it wasn't God's plan just to resurrect Judah. It was God's plan to resurrect humanity. And that happened through Christ. And so listen as as we... Speak out loud in faith the word of the Lord over the dead thing in your life. Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God. Here's the words of, literally the words of God. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these dead, slain, hopeless, lifeless Breathe on them that they may live. God, today as people acknowledge the dead things in their life, would you breathe on them by the power of your spirit so that those dead things could live again? So I prophesied as the spirit commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. With no one looking around as we prepare to sing, if you say, Pastor, today I have something dead in my life, I don't need to know what it is. I, I don't need to know. No one around you needs to know. I have something dead in my life, and today I'm walking in this word from God's word, and in faith, I'm gonna stand as an act of faith to receive this new life, passion, vision, love, hope, trust, marriage, parent, child, relationship, whatever it is, if you need something to come alive, as I'm going to read this one more time, I want you to stand to your feet as active faith and say, God, that's today what I choose. And so it's not hypothetical. I mean it. Stand to your feet as I read this again. If you say, I need something to come alive again. Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain. If that's you, do you begin to stand? Like say, I, I have something dead, needs to come alive. Breathe on that which is dead that they may live. So I prophesied as God commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived. And here's where it is. They, what did they do? They stood on their feet. Why? Because they are standing for action. They're standing ready for God to give them a direction of where to go. They're standing to walk in the new life and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. And I'll close with verse 11 through 14. Then God said to me, Son of man, those bones are the whole house of Israel, not just Judah, but Israel too. 
Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off from God. Therefore, therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will open your graves. I will raise you from your graves. That's talking about our future hope, by the way, literally. I will raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, which he did. And they're back there today, by the way. I'll bring you back, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open those dead things, when I open those graves in your life. You'll know that I am the Lord when I raise you up from the grave, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. God, we thank you for your word. Whatever dead, dried up, dying thing in our life exists, God, we ask it to come alive in Jesus' name. We ask your spirit to give life. God, I believe right now as I'm praying and as I'm speaking someone's joy, they're beginning to feel it again like an ignition of a flame on the fire of their heart. They have lost joy. They have stepped away from joy for so long. And God, I ask you that you would bring it because your word says that in your presence there is fullness of joy. God, your word says that joy is an actual fruit of the Spirit. So God, may we bear that as your Spirit gives us life. May we at least be able to taste even the most minuscule amount of joy in our life again. Because that's where we find freedom is in your presence. And there is joy. Lord Jesus, I ask in your name for, for those who are here who gave up on a dream that you would ignite that dream again. In the name of Jesus, I pray over people that have worked hard for so long but never saw the results you gave them a vision of. God, let them never forget the vision you gave and never give up hope, but continuously walk toward that. God, for marriages that ended prematurely, God, for those who cannot trust someone of the opposite sex again, begin to flood them with the ability to have trust and faith and hope in humanity again, humanity saved by you, not by itself. Let them, God, be able to really be able to express the true sacrifice of love towards one another. God, for marriages um, that are passionless, for marriages that there is no physical intimacy, for marriages where there is no communication, Lord Jesus, we ask for life again. We ask that these husbands and wives would begin to remember and repent and to do and to understand it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by your spirit in Jesus' name. For those of you who say today, Pastor, I don't know Jesus, I can't have something come alive in me again because I never came alive before, I just want you today to consider putting your trust in Jesus who will forgive your sins, restore your relationship with God, fill you with his spirit, and understand and acknowledge it comes by his life, death, and resurrection. And if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus today, the Bible says this. It says, by grace you've been saved. You don't deserve it, but God freely gives it, and you receive it through faith. Scripture says, if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. And you say, Pastor, what must I do to be saved? Just call upon Jesus to save you. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved saved. God, we give you this time. We give you uh, the hearts of those who've trusted in you today. And Lord Jesus, we just continue to walk and stand in the new life that you give. Dead things coming to life in Jesus' name. Amen.
so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace the god of ages stepped down from glory to where my sin and bear my shame the cross has spoken i am forgiven the king of kings calls me his own beautiful savior i'm yours forever jesus christ my living hope we sing hallelujah I'm so glad that we are inside right now. <laughs> First of all, it would have been a miserable day to be outside, but, uh, but God is here. And Anthony's sermon talking about dry bones coming to life, I know that I've had several times in my life where God has tapped me on the shoulder and said, dude, why are you looking like dry bones right now? You know that I've brought life to you. So I am so happy for you guys that got to stand up today and you got to say, God, I want that. I want life in me. I'm tired of being dead. I'm tired of being a dry bone. Um, 
So if you need someone to pray with you, um, you can head back to this back corner and we'll send someone back there and we can pray with you. Um, but, but tell somebody if you made a decision today because we want to celebrate with you. Um, so thanks for coming today. You guys are dismissed. Um, we are going to be here again at 5 o'clock if you want to bring a friend. Um, if you want to come next week at 5 o'clock, we're doing kids service right now. And 5 o'clock there won't be any. So if you don't have kids, come at 5. Oh, new here, start your lunch. If you're brand new, stay for lunch. We're going to feed you.